Hello, welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Pits, our Texas barbecue podcast. At the time of this episode posting, much of the coastal area is recovering from the effects of Hurricane Harvey. The hurricane landed in Port Aransas and Rockport area, but hovered and moved slowly for days, impacting many cities, including Houston, Beaumont, and many more along the coast. Luckily, neither Andrew nor myself suffered damage, but our friends have, and our thoughts and prayers are with them and the entire swath of people affected. A full recovery will be measured in months, not days or even weeks, and will continue long after the news media spotlight has faded. Please consider giving to your favorite charity. Monetary donations are quick and easy and will help the sustained relief effort. Operation Barbecue Relief is one option if you'd like to keep it barbecue-related. J.J. Watt continues to raise money through his You Caring Fund, or if you have a preferred charity, then by all means put your donation there. Many Houston barbecue joints and employees have donated food and or their time during this. In some cases, they donated their existing stock of food, meaning not only did they donate that, but they could not generate sales to the public during that time. Supporting your local Houston area barbecue joint will be a way to assist in the coming weeks and months. If you're not located in Houston, check with your local area barbecue joint, as some are raising money for hurricane victims. We now take you to the conclusion of our interview with Arnest Robbins of Evie Mays Barbecue. We left off at part one just after a visit and public post by Daniel Vaughn and that small little known barbecue trailer that was only open twice a week began to see more traffic. Every week was a little bit more, a little bit bigger, a little bit busier. Still, still one pit? Still one pit at that point. Um, until, um, you know, summers here in Lubbock or, or in the Lubbock area, are that's the slow season for restaurants because it's really a college town. And um, so... That was our busiest season we had had because we were at, you know, growing at this at this crazy growth rate. Um, and I think September of that year, I brought in my original pit that I had built. I needed more cook capacity, so we just parked it next to the trailer. And now we, I had the 320 and the 250. And um, at that point, I want to say we were cooking 10 to 12 briskets a day uh, along with our other meats. And that was that was capacity. If I had 10 or 12 briskets on the on the the trailer cooker and then ribs and stuff on the other one um that was a pretty good load and we would by by the middle of september and 15 the line that was in place when we opened would sell us out and that's a bad place to be like that is a really uncomfortable awkward place to be as a business owner where people are showing up at 11 45 and they don't get food and 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 they wonder why can't you do more like you're an idiot. You are the worst business-minded operator in the world. Like, you've got all the demand right here, and you can't even meet it. Again, the just, just the two of you at the time that's still. That's right. That, just, just Mallory and I. And, uh, you know, I'm working 20-hour days. And uh, people would always ask, well, what, what's y'all's full-time job? Y'all are only down here two days a week. <laughs> and I tell them, you know, we, it, it takes... For every day to sell, it takes a, an additional day to prep. Right. So two service days, that, that's that's four long business days. And and we're also working on other stuff. I mean, we were trying to expand. I was trying to, to figure out a game plan to to expand it. And one of the, the things that we had gotten to at that point was I, I thought that we could finish that the front of that storage unit into a little dining room and that that would draw more, more customers because not everybody wants to eat in their car. And, you know, your, your car will smell like barbecue for a week if you – all at home we're aware um, <laughs> so we uh we got our little dining room fixed up i i guess that happened earlier because uh daniel vaughn actually ate inside uh when when they came through but um 
from the day he came till now, I don't know that we have gone a week without some expansion project in the works, be it another cooker, uh, an additional space, um, additional uh, line help to try to speed up line velocity. I mean, it, we're always trying to figure out a way to do things better. And, and we'll talk about the pits in a minute. I mean, now you're running, um, you've got 3,000-gallon pits, you've, which one you just added a few weeks ago. You've got the oiler, and you've got the latest 1,000-gallon pit. I mean, so you're going to be running five pits total, um, tremendous amount of capacity, and you, and you still sell out. So it's, it's excellent. New building is phenomenal here. Um, very nice. I mean, uh, very surprising. We weren't, I don't know, my expectations were, uh, you know, strip center or something a little dumpy, especially with, with the age of the business. So um, it's a very, it may have been very organic, but it's definitely a, a very straight upward plane. Well, so um, our, the landlord that we had up the road, when things really started taking off uh, going into the fall of 2015, he, he, he told us, I've got this piece of ground down here on the corner. And I've had it for, I think, 10 or 12 years at, the, at that point. And, and he said, I, I, haven't, I haven't found the right person to build for. I haven't found the right business to, to put down there that I think would really be worth building. And he said, I think you guys, if, if, if that's something that you guys want to commit to, I think you, you could do really well. And, and we're sitting here thinking, like, do we want to be in Wolfer for long term? Um, but it was it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, and, and we have a great working relationship with him. And uh, so the agreement was, Mallory and I, we designed the building. We we hired an architect. Uh, he he was going to build the space, and we were going to lease it from him. So we had the the building designed, and he decided at that point that he wanted to finish out that. It was kind of a modular design in itself that he could always add to if he wanted to add additional square footage to the to the lot down here. But he decided it would be cost effective for him to build it out all at once as opposed to building us a standalone unit here up front. So, um, you know, going back to everything just being so organic, I mean, who who does that? I mean, how how many people get the opportunity to uh, to have something build a suit this big uh, with a you know, a, a 1,600 square foot pit room that, it, you know, it was just... he, he a big walk-in area as well. He had more confidence in us at that point than we had in ourselves. And, and you know, for that, we're super thankful that, that he was... He presented the opportunity uh, for us to build this place. And we... Uh, this, this concrete was poured at the end of January of 16, and we moved in here April 28th of 16. So, I mean, it went up quick. Um, that was was that after the new 25 yeah, I think so going, yeah, back, was... going back to the fall of 15 um, Mallory got a, uh, a PM from Daniel Vaughn um, early October like way early October and, and it was basically just a heads up hey if you guys have any expansion capability right now uh, it might be a good time and of course like we're freaking out like <laughs> what does this mean it's so cryptic are we like what's and happening? at that time were you still on just those two pits we were still just on the two smaller pits yeah um, and still just Mallory and I. And um, so I got to work on one of those uh, one of those cabinets in there, and I think we, uh, like the week we finished it, uh, Texas Monthly post in print, um, top 25 new and improved joints from the, since the last top 50 list. 
and um, man, that was huge. And and there it, the the actual article was uh, it was a three page centerfold with one picture, and it was our food <laughs> was was what made up the background of the article, and that was just unbelievable. And uh, you know we we were already busy, but then we added this cooking capacity of of this new pit, and and it's like every time we we expanded, we thought, oh, you know, we'll we'll have a couple of months to grow into this, ease into it. And, and something else happens. within two <laughs> weeks, I mean, we were we were loaded down again and selling out by twelve thirty. And at least at that point, it was convenient to tell people, hey, like we're building a real restaurant, a real brick and mortar restaurant, where we're gonna have you know all this seating and and crazy cooking capacity and just hang tight. Like we don't want to jeopardize food quality. We're gonna do things at whatever pace we can we can manage and you know as soon as we can get there we'll get there and um we uh went into uh first quarter of 16 which again that should be a slow season for for restaurants in this area and we were still just humming right along i mean every every week was busier than the last and this building even though it only took you know, three months from the time it was poured to the time we were moving in, like it couldn't come quick enough. And uh, I'd run down here every afternoon and like just hound everybody on the property. <laughs> like, well, when's this going to be done? When's this going to be done? Um, but we uh, we moved in and it, we shut the trailer down for two weeks and moved what we needed to move and try to get ready. And we opened up here on April 28th of 2016. And uh, news showed up. We had a, a line out the door, and the only two times I've ever been nervous in the barbecue game was the, the day that we opened up the trailer in Tucson and the day that we opened up here. And we were working with a service counter here that I had never, I had never worked on the line like that or across from the customer. In the, New employees as well. Now, now it's grown beyond you and Mallory. Yeah, January... The, when we opened up after the new year in 2016, we start we hired two new gals, um, Aubrey, who's our general manager now, and uh, Whitney, who is our uh, back of house manager. And at the time, they were just they'd come in and work service. They didn't they didn't do any food prep, but they would come and help with service. And uh, you know that that was awesome just to have. I mean, our. Since we started in the trailer and since we got a line, one of my things has always been I want to serve people quickly. I want to serve them quickly, but I want everything to be cut to order. Um, because the people that are coming here, they're not, they're not on vacation. They're not uh, hipster college kids. Like they're, they're working class people, and they've got to get back to work. And I want to get them fed, and I don't want them to be discouraged by the line. I, I just is If we can serve 50% more people in that two-hour lunch window, then that's... That's what we want to do. So <clears throat> there was a point in the trailer, <clears throat> probably the last two weeks before we moved over here, we still had uh, these, these two employees, and then we had another gal that was helping us. So we'd have five people in the trailer wow. working three workstations. <laughs> so we'd have Mallory always worked register. I would cut meat, and then we had two people plating, and then we had somebody... Putting, putting food out the window. Some people don't realize how tight that is. Oh, I mean, you're was, back to back. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was a little bit like McDonald's in that, like, it only took three movements to, to, <laughs> to fulfill your duty, and, and it was it was very efficient. Um, 
And so we move in here on April 28th. We got a line out the door. We haven't been operating for the last two weeks before that. So everything is a little bit rusty. I, I had never cooked indoors at that point, which is like a total game changer. Now, did you, you had a new pit for this? Yeah. yeah. So you also had another pit. Right. That was new. But I was working in this commercial kitchen with all the space in the world and prep was that much easier and it was air conditioned. And yeah, going from a trailer into this pit room has got to be like man, we, Christmas morning. <laughs> it was going to be years before we outgrew this space. I mean, they, we were just soaking it up. What could possibly change? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so uh, we get through that first day. Oh, so that first day, the customers came in to the... Uh, we, we have our, our cutting station is 45 degrees to the to the dining room. So the, the plan was the customer comes into the cut station, they order their food. We've got we've got the ability to run two separate lines and then they order their sides a la carte and they pay at the end, you know, like uh, market style barbecue. Yep. That was so slow because our our customers at that point, that wasn't what they were used to. They were used to our menu items, our combo meals. And, and just ordering and getting their food. So as soon as we got done that first day, we, f- we flipped the line and moved our registers to the opposite sides. Um, and uh, we, now we, we sell meat by the pound, but um, the customer's already paid by the time we, we cut it. So Back in the trailer, it was just, just plates? Or? No, we, d- we did sell meat by the pound in the trailer. Although we very rarely sold meat by the pound, I mean nobody nobody yeah, comes to a trailer plates, for yeah. for a hundred dollars. Outside of Austin, it, I mean there are places that do it, but we we see that it's very difficult. You know when your when your crowd is used to just buying a plate, you know, they just get really tongue tied when they look at the menu and don't know what to do. Well, it's it's confusing. I mean because you're also sitting there trying to figure out okay like what what's the better value? If, can I, if I buy uh, meat a la carte and then two sides like how does that compare to and and that kind of goes back to the speed like the speed of ordering and the speed of getting people through the line so our our menu is a little bit lengthy but it's also simplified in that you can buy a one meat combo two meat combo a three meat combo a, we got these uh we call them number six and number 12 where it's it's a six is a quarter pound of all of our meats plus two sides and the 12 is a half pound of all of our meats plus two sides and uh we sell a lot of those especially on Saturdays. Um, <clears throat> but we, uh, when, when we set up our line then, uh, when we revamped it for our second day, I want the customer to go sit down. And Aaron, Aaron Franklin has talked about this before. Like the shortest distance between when that meat is cut to when it goes in the consumer's mouth, like the better. So now people get there. They pay, they get their sides, they get their meat, and they're free to go. They don't have to wait in a line then to pay for whatever's on their tray. Like, I want them to go sit down and, and eat as quickly as they can. Um, After they stand on the chairs and take their pictures. That's and, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Which is totally crazy, by the way. <laughs> it, it's crazy to look out there and see people taking How selfies. How many people and, do it? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. Um, so, you know, at, that, at this point, I feel like we've got our line process kind of figured out. The cook process, it was still a one-man show. Um, and when did you add the express line? Uh, that that actually didn't come along until late last summer, probably. Um, and and the catalyst for that was everybody wanted everybody wants a sliced brisket sandwich. Nobody wants a chopped brisket sandwich. 
Well, people don't know, not every slice of brisket is perfect. Only what we put on your plate to eat a slice brisket is perfect. The rest of it needs to be chopped up and put in beans or on a sandwich. So we needed an outlet for that meat. So we opened the express line as a chopped beef sandwich express line. The reason people don't want chopped brisket sandwiches is because they go to places to put a bunch of fat in there and they get duped into buying a big old In some places, soak them in sauce, leave them in a steam tray all day, and it's just a big pile of mush. I I think that our chopped brisket sandwiches are more lean than a slice, because on a sliced brisket sandwich, we're not going to trim the fat cap off. We're just going to put it in there, and you can peel it off if you want. But on our chopped sandwiches, we're not going to leave a big chunk of fat in there. So um, that's kind of how that originated. And then it turned into um, when the lines really started getting long, and we were a lot of our original customers were... They couldn't just come in and get lunch anymore. You had built up a pretty loyal fan base. Looking at some of the other interviews, some people were coming twice a week every week. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was really a way to get them in and out. Um, you can get any sandwich over there now with the exception of sliced brisket and a burn-in sandwich. You can get all of our other sandwiches. You can get them without bread. So then that's basically like getting a, a combo meal with a, with a cold side and drinks and desserts. And... Um, uh, a few months back, we added a five-pound minimum bulk order over there as well. So there, there's lots of ways uh, to to get through here in a quicker manner than, than waiting in the line. Um, we've got a couple of guys, they'll be here around 10, that all they do is talk to the line. They, If anybody's got questions, if anybody needs something, if, if, if we want, at this point, customer service is as important as the food on their plate. Um, these people are sacrificing a good portion of their day to come out here and we the last thing we want is for them to feel like we don't care about it uh, every aspect of their visit so um, we'll bring them drinks uh, make sure that they are, are comfortable and confident with their order uh, before they get up there that's that's fairly unique I mean I, I know Franklin they'll do that they'll come through the line and ask for your order and and people still wind up changing at the last minute once they get in and look at the menu but um, we see that a lot where you've been in line for two hours at some of these places and you get up to the counter and they don't then they're still asking yeah. questions yeah. right and so if, if if we can have the customer at least confident enough so that whenever they get to the counter they don't you know choke and that if they've got one last question or if they want to look at something then you know they're they're fine with doing it because another thing like I want you to wait in, in line for an hour and a half and then get up and not be able to order what you really wanted or forget what you were going to order or something like that um, so I, I'm trying not to look at reviews so much anymore just cause, uh, you know, a bad review will ruin your week. But, um, I enjoy reading a review that brags on our employees and the way that people were treated almost more than their, their food. I mean, it's just like that. It, it brings me so much joy to know that every one of our employees cares about the customer as much as we did and as much as we do. And I think a lot of that goes back to we've grown at such a rapid pace that a lot of these employees were here when we were when we were so much smaller and literally every customer counted. Well, it, and barbecue is experiential. I mean, the, the line can be a whole experience on its own. You meet new people. You sit down. Well, you've got the, the community tables. So you might be sitting next to complete strangers. And you've got a nice staff. I mean, yeah. that well, whole again, experience that, is that huge. That commitment to customer service starts starts from the top and, and works its way down. I mean, your commitment to the products, I think, you know, obviously trickles down to the employee's commitment to the customer experience. And we've seen that a lot of places, good and bad. You know, if 
if, if it if it starts at the top and the top lets things slide then the people will you know the people that are working with them are going to let things slide well you know and it's 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 worked out with you know uh, we saw it at Cadillac they've got someone that literally opens a door for you and tells you where to go in line and we were just there a couple of days ago uh, corkscrew does similar things like that as far as like if it's cold outside they'll do hot chocolate for the people in line and just just those little things that if you know you're gonna be waiting an hour or two hours whatever it is in line anything that the business do not that you have to give anything to anybody but just to, to show the customer that their their time spent is appreciated yeah I mean and we're still like we're thankful for everybody that comes um, and you know working the the service counter it's hard not to care I mean you're you're right there I mean from me to you and I'm and I'm putting what you're gonna eat for lunch we, we've talked about that with bodacious you've got eye contact yeah. directly with the customer yeah. and uh, there there's a there's a real sense of obligation at that point to make sure that what you've waited in line for meets or exceeds whatever expectations you had and the owner is looking you in the face and what gripes me the most is when people are not satisfied but they don't ask us they, they don't ask us to fix it they don't they don't give us an opportunity to make it right and then we see something like oh uh, i should have got i should have got this side but i got this side and it had you told us while you were here we would have gladly given you the other side just so you you know, anything we can do at that point to try to make your visit worth your trouble is is what we're willing to do. So um, we we really stress that. I mean, it, I, I tell I'll, I try to tell every customer that I serve. You know, if you need anything, please let somebody here know, and we'll we will take care of it. And um, you know, I, I the, the staff last night came around oh, multiple times fantastic. over and over, yeah, making sure. Absolutely. And again, it flows from you down to your staff, but you're setting that example. The staff is following that. They care. And again, it goes back to that overall experience. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm as proud of, of high customer service praise as anything uh, that, that people say about us. So it, that and that's that's fun. I mean, it's really cool that we're on a first name basis with a lot of our customers. Um, and. You know, it's hard to explain. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool evolution that, that has taken place in, in all aspects. I mean, barbecue, yeah, it's it's the restaurant industry, but it's not really, it's, it's not conventional restaurant business. I mean, we've got so much stuff going on. I mean, now we've got, we've got the pit room. Well, we've got, we've got a crew that works out here. They don't, they don't really have anything to do with inside. And, and that's, that's kind of like managing its own operation out here. And then we've got the kitchen, which... That again, we've got three people in there that don't really have anything to do with service, and that's and eventually a bakery as well, and eventually a bakery next door. So, um, it's it's cool to come in and <clears throat> see all these different areas, you know, kind of clicking and, and doing their thing, and, and then for it all to come together out there on the service line and to, to run, you know, 500 people through in two hours on a Saturday is just it's really really cool. So go, uh, going back to the timeline of of Ebby Mays now, so you, you open late April. 2016 in in the in the restaurant space feel like you're growing into it you've got enough capacity to pretty much feed the masses and then this little uh texas monthly list comes out we're in spring of 17 now what was the top 10 what was that like i mean coming into it it, we've talked to a lot of people that were a lot of pitmasters and owners that were watching that night hoping it would come out hoping it would come out and 
what because you know nobody was told they were in the top ten, so right. it, it was nobody definitely surprised. Sure, if there was going to be like an upper echelon of you know because the last one there was a top four and that was it. Right. So <clears throat> um, White McSpadden had come out to shoot, so we knew we knew at that point that we were in the top fifty, and we knew they probably weren't sending a photographer to all the top fifties. So we had we had high hopes, but you know. We're out here in barbecue no man's land, and Tyler is is in the same boat. I mean, we. Tyler Frazier. Tyler Frazier, yes, from Amarillo, um, which, by the way, one of the nicest guys in the world. He he reached out to us very early on on social media and basically said, you know, if you guys need anything from me, if I can help y'all, uh, you know, as you cut your teeth in this business at all, please let me know. And we've we've kept in touch. We talk pretty regular. He's a great dude, um, but for Daniel Vaughn to have discovered us so early on, that brought people. When, whenever people are coming into town for uh, you know tech football games from Austin or from Houston or from Dallas, then that put us on their radar. If they were you know barbecue fanatics, so that really really helped. But at the same time. It's it's easy to to go to all the great barbecue places if you live somewhere in the Golden Triangle, but not very many people are going to travel all the way out here just to try it. I mean, destination barbecue. I mean, we saw the reviews, we saw the pictures, and uh, you know, Jimmy Ho told us, "Hey, hey, you know, these guys are great." We still never made the trek out to Lubbock because it's Lubbock. I mean, it was yeah. from from Houston. It was such a drive. That's right. And and it was our mistake to wait this long, but. Um, you know, getting we're on just, that list, we're just getting it. the kinks worked out for you. <laughs> um, no, and that's so. Once we made top ten, then that's when people, I mean, and and the timing of the list is perfect because people are planning summer vacations and kids are out of school and right. uh, the Yeti passport has been like way more successful than I would have imagined. Um, that and that forces people to come out here, and uh, it's it's awesome. It's been really, really cool for people to come out here just to get their sticker and leave letting us know that this was one of their favorite stops or the best stop. And, and that is, that's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, for when the list came out, we were like, man, I was up late and, and up early, uh, hitting refresh, waiting on that thing. And I thought it was gonna come out online the week prior. That's and I don't know what happened. Time. I don't know if something happened and, and it was delayed or what, but I had all kinds of like ideas in my head as to what was going on with that. Um, somewhere in, in the in the belly of my phone, there's a pretty funny text uh, text thread between me and some of the, the guys here as to what I thought was going on. But um, it came out and it was the week before I was I was I was really hopeful that we were top five. And I kind of assumed that there was going to be a top five and then everybody else. And then whenever the list was posted, it wasn't the top 10 that was posted initially. It was the top 50. And was and posted Wolford by starts, City. Yes. And Wolford starts with a W. <laughs> so I'm like scrolling down as fast as I can. And then I see, an, uh, you know, nine. And whatever thoughts or feelings I had about being top five or like any any disappointments that I would have had like were instantly gone 
and it was like holy smokes like we we are we're number nine in the state of texas and i mean and you look at the company that you're with right that's i mean you know some very iconic places i mean obviously franklin snows um, cadillac who's also pretty new to the game jumped in there but i mean just that that crowd that you're with that you're now part of yeah uh, at a business that's only a couple years old. That's it's right. a, it's a in, great achievement. In a, in a restaurant that we've only been in 13 months at that point. Right. So, no, I mean, it was... That's, it's a pretty remarkable story, you know, three, from three years ago, from corn cob trailer to awesome restaurant, five pits, number nine in Texas. I mean, that's it's a heck of a story, and it's it's a lot of hard work, obviously, that, that went in on, on yours and Mallory's part. A lot of faith in your business and in your product. Well, and, and a lot of stubbornness and, and honestly, like not being afraid to fail. I mean, it, we, I talk to people a lot that are like, man, you know, I wish, I wish I could do something like this. And the truth, like you can, it's a huge commitment though. It may and, kill you. And it's not what, you know, we can't stress enough. It's not what people think if you're cooking and, and you know, some other people have mentioned this before. We call it the American Idol effect. If your friends and family are eating for free and they love it, that's completely different than serving to the public who's going to come and pay. That's right. That that's not going to have any problem going online and like saying the worst things that they can exactly about their experience <laughs> or you know whatever it is. Um, and then that that's that's a whole other story as far as every every average consumer now has has a platform to be a, a food critic with a voice. Um, and that you know I. I said it earlier, I try not to, to look at reviews too much, but at the same time, it's hard not to. Um, you have to look at them in aggregate. You know, one, you'll get the one review that makes no sense at all, right? You know, this person ordered fatty brisket and it was too fatty or, or whatever they, they did. And, and you read those and you kind of read between the lines and say, okay, this is, you know, you tried your best. It was just a, a miscommunication somewhere. They didn't get what they were expecting. Um, but you see it in aggregate is where you have to do it. You have to take you know whether 10 people that said the same thing out of 200 reviews and that's where it really right. really does make sense you know yelp and the other things you just have to be careful how you look at those um i know personally each one would hurt but if it's not a trend if you're not seeing a trend that's that's a different thing right no and and, and, and you're absolutely correct the hard thing is when you see you know there were there was one a couple of weeks ago i recognized the guy and like i had asked him do you need anything and, and i mean he, no no you know, and, and it's like, we tried. Yeah. And, and that's and that's all we can do is try. I mean, so I, I try not to let that get to yeah. me too much. But. Is, I, think, I think it is Corkscrew. It has on their menu. I can help resolve your issue. Social media cannot. Please come see me. That's, and and again, it may, they may, they may not. But That's a great sign. Because, yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people come in here, and before they ever get their food, they, I've, I'll tell you this, I've never left a review for... For a restaurant I've been to, um, if 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 I have a fantastic experience, I'll let management or whoever is there know in person. But people, this is a different day and age, and, and people before they have their food, they they may already know. Like I'm going to leave a review for this place, and it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad or it's going to be average. And uh, you know, treat. I try to t- treat everybody like they're going to tell somebody either to their face or or online about their experience. So. It shows. I mean, you know, and again, that's what makes us giddy when we visit certain places is to see, you know, from top to bottom, that care, that concern, 
about the whole experience, right? It's not just that you can cook great food, shut up and get in line. Um, shout out to John Miller and you're awesome and you've been a lot nicer to everybody. Um, great food, black box, I'm not kidding. But, you know, there's not just one. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're, you well, feel like they don't even want to be in the business when well, you go visit their restaurant. Yeah. Brian's wife, Leslie, was calling us meat drunk yesterday after we left here. Because, yeah, when you have those experiences where the food's fantastic, the service is fantastic, everyone just, you know, it's just a great experience all around. You know, it's it's one of those. We don't get many of them anymore because we've eaten so many places. So when you get that first experience at a really great place, it's like, damn it, why aren't more places like that? Yeah. And there and there are there are definitely some. I mean, yeah, yeah. and and those experiences are great. Everything from you know Franklin Snows, Bodacious, uh, Corkscrew. There's many on the list there that we've had. That yeah. it's, it's a very similar thing. We're all around, right? 360 degrees. It's not just the food. Um, there's other places where the food's great, the service is in, and you know, does that mean we'll come back? We probably still will, but um, it's just not the same experience. You know? And and you know, people that are driving, if you're driving out to Lubbock. You know, it's a long drive. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and expectations is another big one that we've talked about where, you know, it's hard to exceed expectations sometimes. And, and, you know, Franklin gets a really bad rap because when you go to Franklin, it better be the best barbecue you've ever had in your life. And that's, that's really hard to reach these yeah. days. Um, you know, so there, there's, unfortunately, there's places that are like that that, you know, I think they're getting knocked more than they deserve. Um, but this was this was a, a truly one of those you know just blew us away expectation wise. Well, and and kind of going back to that and, and people's personal expectations coming in, um, it, we can't really afford an off day anymore. You know, I mean that's we we're number nine in the state of Texas. Like <laughs> we can't let somebody down. I don't want anybody to leave thinking, man, those guys are overrated. You know, I, I want people to leave thinking those guys are underrated like that was a great great experience all the way around um and getting going going to that and how we've scaled um in in our our product and our quantity and what we're doing now we uh i had a guy come to work the midsummer of 16 and that was the first guy that i i didn't hire him to help me cook i i hired him to help me trim because trimming is a miserable job and yeah, trimming one brisket is a piece of cake right uh, trimming you know 30 40 50 plus the ribs plus yeah. everything else is, yeah, is a massive endeavor and i you know we, we we trim pretty aggressively we make sausage here in house so we can afford to cut off a little bit and shape them up the way we want them and then and then getting the fat cap where we want it i mean we've got we've got three to five minutes in each brisket before it ever goes on the cooker um so i had hired this guy and i was going to teach him how to trim well i start teaching him how to trim and he wanted to learn how to cook, so I, I started teaching him how to cook. That was the first person that I that I kind of let in. We had we had filled up some positions in in house, but I was very nervous about taking that step to let somebody into my space. But at your volume, you've you've got to. I I couldn't do anymore, and I was I was on the verge of burning out at that point, and that like, that was pretty early early in the game in the restaurant. But you can only work so many twenty hour days. Uh, with a three-month-old at home and a wife that, you know, is dealing with that. So um, this guy comes to work, and, and, and I, I, I let him in and kind of told him my secrets and, and all that, and um, he's not with us anymore. But that was a great icebreaker to, to prove to myself that I could, I could teach somebody to do what I do. Um, and so 
after he left, we, we posted a job listing on social media that was, we needed a, uh, we needed to train a pit master. You needed to be sober <laughs> and no prior barbecue experience was requested. Um, and so why, why specifically that? Not the sober part, we get that. But. Um, I didn't want somebody who, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think that I know everything about barbecue, but I know everything about the way that I do barbecue. And I did not want to bring somebody in that was going to try to tell me how to, how to do my thing. Um, Easier to write on a blank slate. Right? That's right, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to break somebody else's bad habits. Um, <laughs> So our uh, Nathan Nathan Peer, he's from Wisconsin. He he responded to the ad, and uh, he came in and interviewed. And I told him this job's gonna suck, and I'm gonna need you here at three o'clock in the morning. And that if if you're okay with showing up at three o'clock in the morning with a good attitude, then we can work everything else out. I don't need to know much more than that as long as you're committed to that. And uh, and I said I can't afford to pay you much if you're only assisting me, but if you come to work and, and, you know, I'll try to teach you as quickly as I can, whenever you start taking over some of my daily responsibility, I'll, I'll reward you for it. And, uh, he came to work and, um, he came to work in September of last year and in January of, uh, this year, uh, he, he, he pulled his first shift alone um, was there was there any catalyst for that? A lot of times you hear, you know, there was some reason that that, that day was it? that no. time. Um, it was. I think uh, I think he pro- he was probably ready to do it, you know, a lot earlier than I was let, ready to let him do it, and and it became just uh, okay. Like you come in and do the the Wednesday cook, you know, Wednesdays are slow day, and um, and he did it, and. So then that that opened up all kinds of opportunities for me because all of a sudden I was I was just working a normal shift. I could do I could do other things. So uh, he he was coming in in the morning. I was working the evenings, and um, and working the line. I people don't realize how exhausting it is to work to cut meat for five hours. I mean it is a lot of work. I mean it's probably the most physical job in the restaurant. And there's zero breaks. I mean, there's zero yeah. breaks. I mean, you're sweating, you're thirsty, your legs are tired, uh, constant interaction with the customer. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a full body drainage is what it is. Um, but, you know, prior to Nathan taking over that, that morning cook, I'm out here, then I'm in there, then I'm out here, and somewhere in there I'm still trimming all the meat and, and trying to learn how to make sausage. So once Nathan took that over, then that really... I felt like this is turning into like a viable business. It's no longer my my little project business. Like I'm I'm building a foundation for for a real viable business. And um, we uh, Nathan, um, I I told him you know after he was after he started cooking on his own there for about a month, I, I hired a guy to help him. And um, then we, we shifted that guy to the, the afternoon evening shift and hired another guy to help Nathan. So now we've got four guys out here that are they're all they're all cooks. Uh, two of them. What's your total staff? You know, we've got 20 employees. Yeah, which is I mean, 
if you would have told me six months ago that we were going to have 20 employees ever, I would have laughed at you and said, we can't afford that. <laughs> no, we can't afford not to now. Um, and we'll, during service, I think we'll have eight or nine people on the service line, just making sure every person is taken care of and getting what they need in a, in a timely manner. Um, and, you know, I, I told somebody the other day, I feel like we're getting really, really top heavy. And as long as the food, as long as the food is great, everything else is going to be okay. But I mean, this, this will burn quick. Like if, if stuff starts to slip. So, I mean, that's always in the back of my mind, like going back to, we can't afford a bad day. Like we, we can't afford a bad day. We've got, we've got way too much stuff going on here uh, for people to start thinking that, that quality is slipping because we grew too fast. And you see, you see some places, and especially this summer, that are taking a week off and closing their business because even though their staff, I'm sure, could handle it in many cases, they have that just crazy attention to detail and they don't want to let go of yeah. that. And um, kind of same thing, are, are you guys closing anytime soon? Or we uh, No, we took a week off. Um, when was that? Oh, you, took, uh, you, you closed May. for a couple of days for meetup or did you reduce the restaurant, no, we, stayed, the open. restaurant stayed open restaurant yeah stayed open okay so okay. um in the first week of june we took everybody took a week off the week before that we had uh my family and i had planned a a week-long trip to branson we had rented a house on the lake and uh then top 50 came out the week before we were supposed to leave oh no and <laughs> i i mean i was thinking there's no way like i at that point i had there hadn't been a day of operation that I had not been here, that I had not personally cut meat. And I, I was thinking, I, we can't do that. I, we cannot leave town right now. Well, Aubrey, had uh, she had been helping me cut meat for a while, and she, she encouraged us to go. Like, we'll be fine. We'll figure it out. We'll be fine. So I thought, okay, like, we, we get our, our lake house on uh, Saturday, Saturday night. So we, we'll go up Sunday. And we'll come back Wednesday. The staff can handle the restaurant on Wednesday, and we'll be here for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I'm calling like every 15 minutes <laughs> on uh, on Tuesday, our big prep day. And everybody's like, hey, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. Well, on Wednesday morning, I mean, we've got to make a, a decision pretty early in the day Wednesday if we're going to make it back. That's a 10-hour drive. And I'm calling early, and I, th- I think I probably called everybody in the restaurant just to ask what they thought was going on. So I called Nathan to see how the cook had gone, and I called Aubrey to see how she was doing, and I may have called a couple of other spies to come in and like <laughs> see how everything was going. Come in and order and, yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, by the end of the day, people were calling us and saying, "Hey, you like y'all enjoy your time off. Like your staff did incredible." Um, so, uh, so then I thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll stay through today. We'll leave tomorrow. And then, and then I'll be there for Friday and Saturday. Wake up early, blowing up people's phones, checking on stuff. Same thing. And so then at this point, I'm thinking, like, for sure we can't be gone on Saturday. <laughs> um, Friday, the same thing. Like, I mean, it, by this point, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying our vacation. I'm stressing a little bit less. It doesn't sound like you're here. really enjoying it. <laughs> And uh, we, we ended up staying the whole week. And, and our crew ran the restaurant the week after Top 50 came out. And we got more, we got more positive feedback and reviews in those four days than we had ever had in a four-day stretch before. So then I came back to work for like a week, and then I took another week off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need oh. me anymore. I'll be out of here. But, you know, it's, uh, 
when we were in Tucson, I, I started that landscaping business in 2010, and we left Tucson in 2014 and jumped right into this. You know, I'm going on seven, seven and a half years of what feels like nonstop startup and growth. And the, I need to decompress. And, and the fact that we have people here in place that are 100% capable of doing the job and doing it very, very well and caring about it as if it's their own, it, it's been it's been a really really awesome couple of months here that I have that I feel like not there's not one thing here that is absolutely dependent on my involvement and um, and I think that the staff they appreciate that 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 gives them a sense of accomplishment and that that they can take care of things and that I don't have to stress about every little thing every day. Well, we're winding down here. We're getting closer to uh, service time for you, so we'll uh, we'll cut this off here. But uh, with one last question of what's what's the future of Ebby Mays? And I know we've got some bakery talk in the in the works that we've been hearing about. Uh, what can what can you tell us about that? So we've got uh, the the next door space here at the restaurant is about eighty five percent completed. We're waiting right now. Um, fire the fire marshal is going to make us put fire suppression in. We don't have fire suppression in the existing square footage, which was fine at the time. Uh, but now, in order for us to uh, combine those two spaces, we've got to we've got to put fire suppression in. So that's kind of the holdup right now. Uh, trying to get an engineered drawing in place for that. And my hope is by mid-September, uh, the the wall on that side of the building is is removed, and we've got a, a dining room that's twice as big as the one that we currently have, plus a new bakery and bakery storefront um our our gluten-free desserts have have really taken off and we run out of dessert every service day early because we don't have the kitchen space to do it plus all the other barbecue sides um, so we're going to move that whole operation out of the restaurant and give it its own space and that's uh i i'm hopeful that it'll be a six day a week full-service bakery with awesome. you know custom orders and will it have uh, its own name it, it we're playing with that gotcha um if if we were just starting now we we would definitely try to we we have a little boy now that's uh we were, we were kind of talking about that amongst ourselves right so the the barbecue joint after the daughter and then the bakery which you would think would be <laughs> yeah, after that, the daughter that's, that's but backwards yeah. yeah so um we i actually my my pet project somewhere down the line, I think, would be Jack Wilson's Beef and Bourbon. <laughs> it's just a steakhouse and brown bar, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, if I really feel like starting over <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm able to. Um, but uh, we're, we're really excited about that because, because I'm gluten-free and I have to be gluten-free, not because of fad diet, but because of, you know, my celiac disease. Um, like I, I don't know if it'll ever be a real viable business, but there are people out there that, that need it. Like, they, and then they can't go anywhere else for it. Even if even if a conventional bakery offers something gluten free, like I don't know if you've ever seen the inside of a conventional bakery, but there's gluten like literally floating in the air. So uh, to be able to offer something 100% gluten free, um, and the restaurant of course will be buying all of our dessert products from it so uh it should be fairly viable that way 
I also am hopeful that um, at that point, I want to do um, vacuum sealed, chilled whole meats that are available then six days a week through that storefront. Um, so that that's something that we're thinking about also over there. Um, but you know where where we go from here. I'm at a point where once we get that completed, we've just finished a little expansion project here at the restaurant where we we put in a cold cut room for all of our meat prep and sausage making and a bigger walk-in cooler and that gave us space here in the pit room to add our two new smokers once that is 100 percent wrapped up the bakery and dining room is 100 percent wrapped up i uh i want to start building cookers um and you know whether that's all custom commission stuff or you know we come up with a couple of basic patio size models and it's on your website consumer level uh, but maybe consumer and commercial that's right i mean at, at that point whatever anybody wants wants to buy i think i'm it to build a smoker i've got one out back right now that i'm, I'm building for a guy and uh i mean that that that's fun i mean that that's i i have a crazy passion for barbecue but it, it, the catalyst for that was building a smoker. And that, that's kind of, that, that's near and dear to my heart still. Just, just tinkering with stuff, the, the engineering aspect of it. Um, you know, the, my favorite days are the first fire in a new smoker. I mean, just seeing what it does. I mean, cause you don't know till it's done, if it's gonna draw right, if, if temperatures are gonna be even, uh, you know, you don't, you don't know what it's going to do. So that that's just, I always look forward to lighting a fire in a new pit. Uh, Sandy, I know you said one more question, but I'm going to throw one out there too, because you're talking about the art and science of barbecue, which is which is the part that we really get fascinated with, and, and the pit building is absolutely one. Sausage is another, and you guys started doing your own sausage. Um, tell us a little bit about how that, that began and, and your influence. Um, when late, late last year, uh, when... Nathan and I, we had a lot of, I mean, we're, we spent a lot of time together and, uh, it, it was nice to have somebody to talk to in the mornings. Cause you know, I worked for two and a half years with a lot of time out here in the middle of the night. And so to have somebody to, to chat with, we started talking about sausage and he's from Wisconsin. So he, he hadn't ever really, I, he had, he had tinkered around and made, made some, you know, brats, but neither one of us really knew anything about making our own sausage we were having our sausage custom made uh from a processor here in wolferth um but i i i text daniel vaughn and said hey I, I need a crash course in sausage making who should i talk to and he highly suggested uh that, that we get in touch with evan leroy from austin so uh i decided one week to to collect all of our lean trim from trim and briskets and and that week we collected over 100 pounds of, of lean, prime beef that would have otherwise gone in the trash. So we bought a grinder and we started making chili. And then uh, Nathan and I would experiment with sausage. So Evan uh, was was kind enough to give us a, a basic recipe and um, a suggestion for a book. And so we ordered that book. And uh, you remember which book that was? Um, it's sh- Nathan, is that book, is it just called Charcuterie? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's got some just super basic um, base recipes in it. I mean, it's four-ingredient sausage. Um, so we got that, and Nathan uh, Nathan would start making, he'd do two batches a day with little tweaks, a little, 
you know, we started out, I thought everything was too salty. So we, uh, a beef and pork blend? Uh, we do, we, because we have so much brisket trim, we're, we're at an 85-15% mix. Um, and it, I have not had the opportunity to, uh, to eat a lot of, you know, the, the classic barbecue joints in, in Central Texas. Um, we did, after Barbecue Fest last year, we went down to Lockhart and we did Blacks and Smitties and Kreitz. And um, I have not been to uh, Southside or any of the other, like, really legit sausage makers. Um, Southside, uh, uh, any of the Miller family, um, and um, also Hayes County, Hayes another, really another sausage, revered sausage. Yeah. Of course, Evan, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan's like the sausage king, sausage king of Austin. <laughs> um, so that, that has been fun. It's also very cost-effective to, to utilize all that beef trim. And people love it. Like, here, that's a big thing that we're making sausage in-house. It is. And, again, it goes to the art. I mean, because you can – you've got a green chili sausage. So, you know, I mean, anybody can throw green chili in a sausage, but it's not going to be your recipe the way you do it. Right. And it allows you the creativity to make it your own. And it's, you know, it's something that – barbecue I, – I do not like monotonous routine in my life. And I think that that's why I've, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial mindset in, in these ventures. Barbecue is different every day. When you're making your own sausage, there's variables there that you got to deal with every day. Uh, cooking, I mean, it's, it's rainy and cool here today. Yesterday afternoon, it was 98 degrees. Um, so that, that, that is the drive. I mean, the, the drive is learning how to deal with, with daily variables and, and trying to figure out how to, how to consistently uh, improve on yesterday's product and, and also deal with those variables. So, you know, sausage is just another another daily challenge that's, you know, keep, keeps our heads in the game. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Congratulations, number nine in Texas. Um, obviously, that's a huge achievement in a very short time. You guys have really uh, burst onto the scene and produced a great product and we're looking forward to eating some more today. Really made a name for yourself and the family. Great, great stuff here. Thanks again. Well, thank you guys so much.